The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today, I'm delighted to welcome back to the programme a man who's been a guest a couple of times previously, uh, James Comey, former director of the FBI. He's written a couple of books, but he's now back with his first novel, Central Park West, and we will get to that in a moment. But James, I have to start by asking you about current developments in the United States of America because we had this week the extraordinary sight of your former president Donald Trump been indicted on the most serious of charges and yet we also had the case where many august institutions even the likes of the Wall Street Journal many Republican leading lights were saying this is wrong you cannot do this you cannot indict because to do so is to be political what has happened to respect for law and for order in the United States of America? Well, a lot. First, it's great to be back with you. Thank you for the chance to have another conversation. I've always enjoyed it. What's happened is the rule of law is working in the United States, and this is what accountability looks like. Anyone who reads the indictment, which is what we call in the business a speaking indictment, it lays out all the evidence is going to be presented to a jury. Anyone who reads that knows this is a case that had to be brought, The rest is just noise. People who are part of the Trump cult uh, baying at at the moon and saying, you know, this is all wrong. But serious people from both sides of our political aisle realize this is a case that has substantial merit and really had to be brought. And I understand your positivity about the fact that it has been brought despite all the pressures been brought to bear. But how worrying, though, is it that you do have the senior figures in the Republican Party who stand by Trump, that you do get the likes of the Wall Street Journal, which is respected in certain circles, making this argument that it is somehow wrong to try and prosecute a former president as if that former president is above the law? Yeah, and that's just it. I mean, first of all, it's the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which I would argue is not broadly respected, but they represent a point of view that I've heard and often, which is that it shouldn't be done. He's too important a personage. That's the opposite of what we stand for in your country and in mine. The rule of law applies to everyone and it should apply without regard to what they look like or how much money they have or what station they occupy. And I think this is a great sign that the American rule of law continues to assert itself, despite all the noise from the, from the people like the Wall Street Journal editorial writers. How difficult do you think might it be, though, to prosecute this case, to bring Donald Trump in front of a jury and get a fair hearing and a fair result? I don't think this will sound odd. I don't think it'll be difficult at all. In fact, I think his problem is this is a really strong case. And there'll be tapes of his own voice and pictures of documents in his own bathroom and his defense that a bathroom door locks won't help him since bathroom doors, at least in my experience, only lock from the inside. And so (laughs) the, the notion that it's that he was somehow taking care of our nation's secrets is laughable. He can say whatever he wants outside of a courtroom. But the problem for him with the rule of law is once you step into a courtroom, with the kind of culture that we have and the rules we have. He can't make all that noise, and he's going to be facing the evidence. And they will find a jury of 12 that can be fair and impartial. There's always a wild card with a jury. You never know whether there's one member who might have a different view than the others. But in the main, you would not want to be betting on Donald Trump in the courtroom. That point you brought up about the jury is an interesting one. It is going to put pressure on jury selection, isn't it? Because... All it would take is one person to be a holdout and then maybe justice might be denied. 
It could be. Yeah, I've, I've had that experience as a prosecutor where one juror refused to deliberate or refused to see things in a reasonable way. And that's our system is set up to allow that to stop the case from ending in a conviction. Then the government can retry it. But Donald Trump can get a fair-minded jury anywhere in the United States, just incumbent upon the judge to select in a good way. Think about the, the civil case where he was found liable for the sexual assault of a woman named E. Jean Carroll years ago, but found liable recently in New York. That jury, even though Trump said, I'll never get a fair hearing, that jury decided not to hold him liable for the most serious charge, which was rape, and instead found him liable for a lesser charge. They gave careful consideration to the evidence. Donald Trump can get a fair trial in Manhattan. He'll get a fair trial in Miami. And that's probably what, what keeps him awake at night. James, you had some of the most famous and celebrated now interactions with Donald Trump as president during your time as director of the FBI before he fired you. As you've watched him over the years since, how believable do you find what has actually happened? Well, really unbelievable. I, you know, as you mentioned to your listeners, I've written a novel. And if I had written in the novel that, or, or proposed a plot in which a former president is charged with some of the most serious crimes involving classified information and might be not just ch under charge, but incarcerated when he's running for election again, an editor would laugh and say, take that back, find something that's that's more creative, that's more based in reality. But we're living in this, I wish it were fiction kind of world. Has his character, though, been revealed to be even worse than perhaps you experienced during your time as FBI director? I don't think so. I think we've just had an opportunity to see more plays involving his character. His character um, was deeply concerning to me when I saw it up close. I said to one of my colleagues, the American people elected a really bad person as president. And now more and more people are able to see that because he's had more opportunities to stand in the spotlight and act the way he has. They say when we get older, we all just become a greater version of ourselves. Maybe that's what's happening to him. He seems even nuttier than he was. But I think more and more people are able to see the character. And in our country, CNN was criticized for granting him a town hall. I had a different view, which is I think it's good. The American people need to be reminded of what's at stake if he's on the ballot next year. They can't take the election off. They have to represent their nation and participate. It's something I have asked you before, James, but I think it's relevant again now, given that so much more has actually happened. Do you now regret the way you handled all the issues in relation to Hillary Clinton before the 2016 election, given that that is regarded as being so significant to undermining her candidacy and letting the door open for Trump? Yeah, it's a reasonable question, and thank you for asking it. The answer is, in the main, no. I've thought about the decisions a thousand times, as you might imagine. And I wish we hadn't been involved at all, but given that we were involved and given the choices that we faced, I still think that we chose the least bad option as the FBI and, and it's a decision that will stand the test of time. Frankly, I'm consoled personally by the 2020 election when it, it narrowed in the same way and late deciding voters broke in the same way for Trump when I was home in my pajamas. And so I, I hope that someday a PhD uh, candidate proves that the FBI had absolutely no impact on the election in 16, but honestly, it doesn't change how I think about the decision. It increases the pain, the idea that we might have had an impact, but we couldn't do anything other than what we did, honestly. 
And how does it feel to know that you will always be a part of history as a result of this, when the history of this period is discussed in decades to come, even centuries to come, that the name James Comey will feature prominently? Yeah, <laughs> this will sound flip. I don't mean it to sound flip. I don't, I don't care that much. My identity is centered on being a father and a grandfather and a husband. That's at the center of my life. But look, I, I know in the first paragraph of my obituary will be Hillary Clinton's emails and Donald Trump, and I can't help that. But I'm, I, I feel, even having examined it many, many, many times, I feel comfortable with the role that I played. Turning to your new book, your first effort at fiction, how much of an escape is it to actually be writing fiction? It was a great escape because I've centered this book in a world I know well, and that's away from Washington. This book takes place in Manhattan. It's the world of mob prosecutions, and I was a mob prosecutor. And it's I was able to both be nostalgic and see it currently because my daughter, when I was writing this, was the chief of the organized crime unit at the U.S. Attorney's Office of Manhattan and prosecuting Glenn Maxwell for being Jeffrey Epstein's partner and abusing young girls. And so it, for me, it was... A labor of love to be thinking of my daughter. My protagonist is a woman, Nora Carlton, and staying in a world that's not the, the things you and I just talked about. So the law is a family business, is it? It is a family business. And I worried about it that Maureen, all of my children have, have Irish names, but I, Maureen, I worried that if she went into the family business that I would overshadow her. And the good news is she's not known as my daughter. I'm known as her father because she's so good at what she does. And that that's a source of great joy. And this comes back to where I started, because do you feel does the same respect apply for the law still in the United States of America as it might have had in previous generations? I don't. I think that there is, there is suspicion and distrust among millions of Americans about institutions of justice in America. Not, not just the courts and our Supreme Court, but the Department of Justice and the FBI in particular, places I know really well, the product of a whole lot of lies, basically a flamethrower of lies that was pointed at the FBI because Donald Trump and his crowd saw it as a threat. In the long run, it'll be okay. I also think the American people don't realize how well their system of laws did when it was stress tested after the 2020 election, when a storm of lies was aimed at the American people. They had to bring those lies to court where they lost 60 cases, right? The rule of law was 60 and 0 at all levels in the United States. That's a great thing and a reminder that the bedrock culture of our legal system is sound. I wish the American people could see that more clearly. It would give them some reassurance. One last thing, James, and it might be slightly tangential, but what do you think of the role of the American media in covering Trump and indeed things like what happened on January 6th? How responsible is it for encouraging the suspicion and for the belief in conspiracy theories and the undermining of order? That's a hard one to answer. First, because I, I have to grapple with the definition of media, but in the main are large media institutions, both television, radio, and print, to the extent there still is print, have by and large handled it responsibly. They they have to show the American people what the president or the former president is saying. And so in a way, they become a conduit for lies, but they must communicate what's being said. It's, it's the reason I liked the town hall. Donald Trump lied throughout that town hall. I want to remind the American people of what is involved and what he is and give them the information they need to sort it out. The cost of that is 
the lies reach people who are malleable and can be shaped by it. But I, I can't think of a better alternative. James Comey, it's been great having you with us on The Last Word again. Congratulations on the publication of your debut novel, Central Park West. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.